Okay, here we are. Uh, and before I say anything more, anything more, just hang on one second. Oh, I've been planning. I've been waiting for this. One second, one second, one second, one second, one second. Wait for this. Wait for this. Okay, you ready? Boo! Can you see that? Oh, there we go. Michael Beck. Because, because it just sort of dawned on me that, um, you know, this is kind of the first time, you know, that, that we've been, that we're potting. Since so, people might not even I'll know, they might not even know. You know, they've been tracking with me, praying for me. You the glory that is due to you. I think we should. Yeah. I think I think we should just say that I have, if you are wondering what we're talking about, what we're on about, what that little hat was about, that was me having finished the PhD. So it's, uh, in fact, have, the last Bruno, time I spoke have, to you. Yeah. Now we have to double your pay. Exactly. Exactly. Um, last time I spoke to Jordan, <laughs> it was just before, uh, and Jordan and Brandon, before, you know, Jordan said, should I? Should I call you doctor? You know, and I was like, ah, oh, not yet, not yet. And then, uh, and now I see him on the other at the end of the, the the whole process, and it feels good. I gotta say, don't have to call me doctor, but I'm done. It's, it's pretty good. <laughs> now the trick is not to be done with theology entirely. You know, I just want to like drop the whole thing and run. You know, <laughs> I just find myself wanting to like, you know, leave leave ministry <laughs> theology and go and become a motorcyclist somewhere in some island you know? take, up pot, take up pottery on a celtic island <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. just something completely different so jordan you're uh you're you're also you're like where are you in the phd process now uh it's year three for me but i i'm i'm i guess i don't know if you're a part-time student uh but you know part-time students take literally forever i mean yeah. it if i were given the opportunity and said hey money is no object and we don't we're not going to force you to stay in the program for x number of years yeah i mean i i could put my you know pedal to the, the middle yeah yeah and i would finish it in a year um, yeah. but it just the way the program works i've got another i don't know two years i guess two and a okay. half years left at least that's not too bad that's good yeah so i'm like at least halfway yeah brilliant brilliant yeah the trick is where, just uh, where are you doing the phd and and what are you doing it on yeah, so I'm at the University of Birmingham in the UK, and I'm doing it in, it's a f philosophy PhD, but I'm particularly focusing on philosophy of, mind, philosophy of mind and the philosophy of religion, how those two sort of, two things intersect. So the project is, I guess, in a 30,000 feet view is let's look at conciliar Christology and look at the particular claims that are required of Orthodox Christians to affirm, and then try to match that up to anthropology and say, okay, philosophy of mind sort of questions. Does this, if we take this to be true, does this limit or shift or change our understanding of anthropology in any way? So it's pretty broad. So it could be anything from, okay, the creeds say that Jesus came as a male. Uh, does that have any problems or, or issues for sexuality or gender to, well, it says Jesus descended to the, to, to the dead. Does that have any problems for something like a physicalist understanding of the human person or a dualist uh, understanding of the human person? Does this cause any, generate any friction? And if it does, uh, then for me, at least, uh, I, I want to affirm the conciliar greed. So I want to say, well, okay, I, then I'm going to have to reject these versions of anthropology. And look, this is the one that's left standing. So mm -hmm. that, that's my way of getting there and saying, I, I, I want to affirm this because I'm taking something that I have firmer uh, belief in and understanding and using that as a way to get there. Did I don't know what I'm more impressed with <clears throat> that that whole thing that you just did there in general, <laughs> or that you did it at five thirty in the morning? 
<laughs> I don't, you passed like, the 3 a.m test maybe yeah, yeah exactly it's like that's <laughs> as close as you'll ever get to the 3 a.m test uh, i don't know maybe you need to talk to us about the kind of coffee you're drinking right now is that is that you know i, I almost went and got coffee but i was like i'd rather have the extra six minutes of sleep so <laughs> wow <laughs> oh, dude. i mean, like just when we thought it couldn't get any better like that's amazing that's you know amazing. I don't, it, it, you've got the three-year-old who's there on the on the camera making sure he doesn't wake up and waltz in the room <laughs> oh goodness! because you know how these things go if you record at like weird hours you know your kids are going to wake up of and course like, oh, of course yeah. of course yeah dude oh man that's crazy so anyways for for those listening in we um we, to to make our hours meet up are you in uh are you and brandon in the same state or city or okay you are yep well, I guess Basically, I don't know we're if we're 10 the minutes same. away. Yeah. yeah, it's not the same city technically, but okay, you know, we're 10 minutes away. Yeah, right. So we had to try and get this to work. And um, so we got this really weird dynamic going on where, um, so with uh, what happens usually is when we go past, so it's now 1130 at night for us going, going to the witching hour for Nick and I. And what happens, we've been in the space a lot, of, a lot, and we decided not to do this anymore because what happens <laughs> is, I start slurring my speech, you know, it just gets really <laughs> weird. It's like, when, you know, past 40, it just, I just wasn't handling well on that stuff. And Nick gets like grumpy. Like he turns into this, like, dude, I'm always grumpy. I know, but even more well, than that's that. True. That's true. That's <laughs> like, so, and then, and then the other, on the flip side of that, when Andre's in his prime time, like he is now, he I, gets all yeah. hyperactive and he tells these stupid jokes and, and it's yeah. just like, it just doesn't, doesn't record well. It doesn't work, you know? No, so, we, <laughs> we, we lose a lot of likability. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So dude, you know, and then you guys at five thirty cranking it out. Woof. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the likability factor, I don't know if it's going up with having us, but especially because mike mike is definitely i'm just wondering like, we should introduce these guys or something. yeah let's do that that's good that's good i was I like, doing that i was I like, doing that like surreptitiously. no okay no well, let's 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 get into this okay so we if if you haven't i mean if you're not watching uh a lot of people still don't like to watch us and you uh, i don't know why but um you know if you're listening then you'll notice that there have been a few extra voices and uh we got the london lyceum guys yeah. with us so if you what don't is that, know who... the only analytical baptist reform podcast in the world or something like that yeah uh, cl close enough yeah 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 wouldn't it be reformed baptist or baptist Anal reform? the the only analytic baptist and confessional podcast uh, but i mean we're reformed too so we can all right we well that, that would be it's kind <laughs> well, of the subject what, matter for the evening isn't yeah, it yeah after, after yeah. reading jordan's paper i don't know if i'm reformed or not so. <laughs> <laughs> i had a few moments of self-doubt myself yeah um, <laughs> i think we all got pushed to our limits um so yeah we got the london lyceum guys with us which is uh huge and uh we really appreciate what you guys are doing uh, on that podcast we we love it and um i didn't know about it until a few weeks before uh, you got in touch and then i've just been checking it out ever since and recommending it to everyone i love it so good job there and um and so glad we were able to set this up and um one thing i just want before we get into talking about uh we do want to focus the discussion a little bit around this great article that that um jordan wrote a while back uh but before we go there let's just use the opportunity to plug the podcast a little bit or maybe just uh you know on the way to that tell us a little bit about you know yourselves and and uh who you are and just give give our listeners some context there and then and then um if you would as well it'd just be good to hear like how how did the podcast come about you know 
did how did it get kicked off anything you you want to share there so uh yeah i'll start i guess so uh i'm brandon i'm a pastor in north carolina um so jordan and i we we actually met through twitter uh oddly enough no way this would have been i guess summer of 2018 and uh i was going to africa for a couple weeks and then when I got back, uh, we were going to meet at Starbucks uh, because I found out he was moving to about 10 minutes away from where I live. So we were going to meet and talk about covenant theology, things like that. And when we did, we just we started reading books together and hanging out all the time and stuff. And I don't know, I guess we just one day we were like, well, maybe we should start a podcast. So the the I guess we had kind of a, a two pronged reason for wanting to start the podcast. Number one. Baptists, at least uh, where we're from, do not have the greatest reputation when it comes to uh, thinking deeply about our faith and about the Christian tradition and things like that. So that was the the first thing. But then also both of us, uh, you know, we we have great reverence for the the 1689. So we we wanted to put a, a 1689 presence online that was more positive and not as uh, combative as a lot of what you see we don't have the greatest reputation in our tribe on twitter and things like that so that was kind of the two reasons that we wanted to do it we wanted to to put something out there that you know where we were serious about the things we were thinking about but we were also you know always not always trying to pick a fight with you know this tribe or that tribe and mm. and that kind of thing so we wanted to kind of kind of that was the reason that it, it began to be just interviews because uh, mm. 95% of the, the episodes are interviews. So we're interviewing someone, whether it's a historian, philosopher, or theologian, so we can, we can learn more about them and, and, and uh, take some things from, from their thought and, and bring it into our own. So that's kind of mm. how it started. Brilliant. Yeah. That's so cool. And I think, you know, I got into philosophy honestly through my associate pastor back when I was living in Louisville, Kentucky and started reading and fell in love with philosophy. What, what, one thing I noticed was there's just not a lot of reformed philosophers out there, at least right now. Right. And I thought, why is that? Well, I want to kind of fill that space and help build that area up and say, I want to do reformed theology within the philosophical context and bring that voice there. And so that was part of the, I think the impetus as well for the podcast is we want to bring philosophy into conversation with reformed theology, which isn't always happening. So there's a lot of Baptist podcasts. There's a lot of confessional podcasts, reform podcasts. There's not a lot that are trying to add in analytic philosophy or analytic theology to it. So I think that's the real unique thing that we've done. Both me and Brandon have philosophy degrees. We both study with Greg Welty, um, who we both find as just, you know, paragon of excellence in, in all things. I mean, he's, he's a churchman, he's a pastor. Uh, he values that above his academic works and pursuits, but he's also, I mean, he's, he's a serious philosopher in his own right. Study with Richard Swinburne. If you know philosophy, he's like one of the, the big deals of, of the last hundred years. Um, like one of the biggest philosopher names that, that comes to mind of anybody. So, I mean, he's serious in all those respects. So we've learned a lot from him and that really, I think, encouraged us and shaped us in this way. But I, I think it's also unique. I mean, Brandon's a pastor. I'm not. Um, I was on staff before, on a staff at a church before I moved here. But since I moved here, I've just been a, a, a normal local church member doing my academic studies, working in a normal job. Uh, so, you know, I'm not, I'm not inundated, I guess, to some degree with, with theology every day. I mean, I wake up in the morning and I, and I go do finance and data and, you know, project management and like, you know, random stuff like that, that's completely unrelated. Um, so it's kind of a nice mix to have, I think us two there together, we bring a ni nice balance, um, depending on the topic. 
Uh, yeah. We both have more expertise, and so it's pretty cool. <laughs> that is so cool. So, uh, do you both attend the same church? No, we. So my my church is is about twenty five minutes away um, in in the town that I grew up in. So it's not the church that I grew up in, but. Uh, and then Jordan's church is about 15 minutes from his house in the other direction. So our churches are actually probably about 45 minutes apart. Right. Are they, are they reformed Baptist, uh, confessional churches or not really? No. So my church would just be, and I, so normally I'm talking to people in an American context, so I can just say a, a traditional Southern Baptist church and people right. will know what I mean, but I don't, yeah. I don't know if your listeners will, but <laughs> we kind of know, we, we know um, all sorts about all sorts of things. Uh, when yeah. It comes so, <laughs> so we're, we're, we're a Southern Baptist church. Uh, you know, Baptist faith and message is our confessional statement at the church. So I'm not the senior pastor. I'm one of the associates. Um, the church is, is reforming and i would i would lower lowercase r reforming uh right now we're moving right. into a, a healthier direction I'm, I'm pleased with with how things are going the lord's really been been kind to us but no it's it's not a reformed baptist church uh by any stretch but i'm i'm trying to bring a little bit of that in so yeah 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 i, I mean i think my church would probably be more on the reformed end of the spectrum but it's it, yeah. you wouldn't come in there and be like wow this is a reformed baptist church yeah that would not come to your mind um, though in I think in doctrine they would be um, largely reformed. I mean it, it would be pretty. I mean if you want to use reformed, it's going to have to be like a pretty expansive, flexible definition to some degree. Yeah. But I mean it, it, they're like if for me, I mean I would probably go in there and be like, yeah, I'm kind of capital R reformed, and they wouldn't have a problem with that. Right. Right. Totally. So yeah, I was kind of interested just to. Um... Because even just this article, you know, if, if you're, you know, pastors or, you know, how, how they would have uh, received something like this. Because certainly some Reformed Baptist churches would have given you, you know, a little bit of a runaround. <laughs> just a little. Oh, oh, for sure. I don't think any of my churches have ever read this article, uh, nor would I don't think any of them care to. However, yeah. uh, my current church, they've read my, uh, I've got a piece on gender that came out and they read that and they liked it. So uh, that's even a more inflammatory topic. Okay. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, all right. So on that note, oh, actually one more question. How did the name, uh, I've been wanting to ask you guys forever, London Lyceum, where did that come from? So we were just, I don't even remember who came up with it, but we were just kicking around different ideas. And so basically we were, you know, we wanted to be self-consciously Baptist and what we were doing. So that was where the London came from, from the second right. London confession. Right. And then Lyceum was Aristotle's Academy. So that cool. brings in yeah. like the philosophy piece of it. So we just put those together, which I didn't realize there's actually a, a Lyceum theater in London until right. we did this. So now when you, you Google it, that comes up, but I mean, it's too late now. So. Yeah. There's very <laughs> random occasions where people will get mad at the theater for some reason and tag us on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, classic. Cool. All right. So let's um let's get into this article that you wrote, man. Um <clears throat> this is in the Journal of Biblical and Theological Studies. Congratulations for getting it published there. That's great. Um Reforming Credo Baptism, a Westminster alternative for reformed Baptist identity. I'm trying to remember where I how I got into this article, I think it was just totally random, to be honest. I think I just stumbled onto it somehow. And it was love at first sight. It was just, you know, a Westminster alternative for Reformed Baptist identity. I was like, what the heck? Who is this guy? What is going on? And so I just devoured the article. And then what, what I did was, um, 
immediately just uh, emailed the elders <clears throat> at, at our church. Got them all to read it. I especially loved you a little bit on system subscription. It's kind of like it was the expression I've been waiting for, you know. We've been trying trying to wangle that through and figure out exactly what to do with that. And uh, I just loved it. And, you know, the elders loved it. And we've been using that term. We've been, uh, we've been uh, plagiarizing some uh, Stefaniak ever since. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. So, let me tell you a little bit of the origin story of this because I think it's interesting. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of papers, I think, I don't know if you guys write a lot or try to write. I mean, I've got all sorts of ideas that come out of my mind and I'll end up just writing it. But this one was almost a little bit out of existential, my own existential crisis, right. where there was a period in my time, I don't know if it was 2016, 2017, where I started questioning my own baptismal views. I had a good friend of mine who was a PCA pastor, who was actually the, the really the impetus for me becoming a Calvinist uh, after high school. Um, I thought he was crazy and nuts, but he was like actually cool about it and was like, Hey, it's just in the Bible, read it. Yeah. And you know, over time, over years, I ended up becoming a Calvinist. And then uh, we ended up talking baptism again. And I really started to question my views on this. And I, I almost became a Presbyterian at one point. And this was almost birthed out of my attempt of let me wrestle with it and see if I can still be a credo Baptist while affirming particular things. And right. so that's, that's ended up how it becoming a, a paper and a, became birth that was just my own trying to wrestle with the actual stuff Man. internally uh, rather than just doing it in academic uh just abstract level yeah well i mean you know those, those are the ones that make the good ones i think you know those the, those existential wrestles exactly <laughs> and you can tell man yeah you know definitely you you get the idea you get the impression that you've you've sort of wanted to see how far you can push the envelope and walk on that 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 very cusp before you sort of click over <laughs> um but you know that's what i appreciated about it it's it's just so sort of, that's that's in my mind exactly what a you know, academic article or journal entry sh should do, you know, it should, it should uh, really get you thinking and push it and, you know, not necessarily have to, you know, be, be the pastor and preach the sermon, but, but really, you know, get everyone thinking about it. If you disagree, why, you know, is, is the big thing you have to respond to you. And, um, and you've made a great case and it's just very clear. It's a great article. It's not overly academic either. So, you know, if anyone's freaking out because uh, of the description of um, <clears throat> Jordan's PhD project there, you know, don't be freaked out by that. This is, uh, this is a lot more on the ground and accessible for uh, us uh, lowly reformed Baptists. So, so go and uh, check it out and um, it's, it's free. You can get out. Did I get it? illegally or is it free no it's totally free online it's, so if right, you just search my name yeah. and put in like credo baptism or something it'll be like the first thing you come up yeah. with in google there we go Boom. michael put it in the the notes oh i'll put it in the show episode. notes this oh, is yeah. this is good oh this is happening this is you you just watch me work i'm gonna put that i'm gonna put this in the show notes it's gonna go into the computer it's gonna be <laughs> on the google lines it's gonna be on the lines all right that's gonna be good in the, in the clouds in the clouds it's gonna be amazing all right now um let's uh you know what i thought maybe to do just because there is as i was reading it through again today um there is actually a lot in you <laughs> it is it, it does cover a lot of ground right and um and I thought we're actually the way we roll, we're never going to get even to like a quarter of it. Can we're we, just, we're just we not that organized. Yeah. Yeah. Can we start with that reference that you made to uh, system subscription versus total subscription? Because actually, I think that is a, well, you referenced it. So some people may not know what we're talking about, first of all. Yeah. Second of all, um, I think it's a great place to start because mm -hmm. it's such an important thing. 
So I don't yeah. know if, if. All right. Well, I mean, we could do that. You know, which would be kind of like an average plan. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Or we could do it my way, which is uh, <laughs> yeah, which is the way we're going to do it. A lot more organized, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. you know. So well, what I thought we could do is just give at least give John uh, an opportunity to to just touch, um, and and, and uh, Brandon also. Like if you've read through this and you guys in your chats, you feel like there's some particular angle here that that you just you know really want to bring out. Uh, let's just go ahead and give you the opportunity just to mention it, you know, so maybe, maybe even just a little synopsis of what you feel like you were trying to do with the paper. And then in the process, anything you, you basically want to just let people know is in there, you know, just in case we don't yeah. get to it is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Like sure. maybe, maybe on total system subscription. Yeah, we'll we'll so definitely get to that bring, one. Just that relax. That might be your angle that you want to bring out. That's all I'm saying. Do, no. you might want to start there. Just leave the guy alone. Let him do his yeah, No, I'm not, he can do what he likes. I'm just saying he might right. want to start there. That's all. Uh, cool. So I'll, I'll give a disclaimer before I do it anything and yep. say this is my paper and my work i don't think brandon agrees with me in every area of this oh so I'll let that's him a big disclaimer oh yeah. uh, we like those kinds of disclaimers that's crazy <laughs> we have those uh, as far as <laughs> as far as things that i would say like these are the big ideas that i found most interesting I, I will get to the subscription thing third so there's two other things i want to bring up the first one i want to bring up is I became, I think, pretty much convinced that the one covenant of grace, two administrations way of thinking about covenant theology was the right way to think about it. But I was not convinced that that necessarily led to me being a Beto Baptist. So that's a lot of the way I try to frame the article and frame how I've thought about things is saying, hey, I think this. And, you know, I was reading last night John Gill's giant uh, oh, body of doctrinal divinity. There we go. And lo and behold, here he is saying, Pretty much the same stuff that I'm saying. Exactly. One covenant grace to administrations. Yes. It is the same thing in the old and the new. It's just the way it's administered is differently. Yeah. Yep. And so what I almost so I was trying to push back on both sides. Say, hey, Pato Baptist, it's not a, it's not, it's not the game set match. Once you've got this framework, it's yep. not game over. You haven't won. You haven't won it. You've got to do some more work. And at the same time, the credo bats is saying, "Hey, it's it's not that it's not like bad and scary. You don't have to give up uh, yeah. and say it's it's over if I if I give them this system. You could still be a credo Baptist in that framework." Yeah. The other thing I wanted to push on, which I mean, I'm probably a some people will say I'm a bad Baptist, but I I do think. Oh, uh, that's I why just, we like I, you, bro. That's why we like I, you. I do not know how you get around the fact that if you as a Baptist don't admit. Uh, an infant baptism as you know you you could say it's irregular it's uh i think that's the typical language that's been used but i don't know if you don't accept that in some fashion i don't know how you you can be catholic or ecumenical in any sense i don't know how you can say you're not actually a christian uh, <laughs> so i think that i mean obviously that's explosive so we can talk about that but the, <laughs> the, that. the subscription stuff i mean i think that is important so you know the system versus full subscription and yeah. the reason i i wanted to press on this area which we can unpack that later if you want but i think um at least particularly when it comes to the reform label there's guys like r scott clark who are very uh vigorous in defending uh you know the terminology of reformed <clears throat> And part of the reason they will do that is say that, well, at least they'll define Baptists out of the Reformed identity is because, well, you're denying a central part of the confession. Mm. And I want to say, well, let, let's be clear on how we think about the confession, because you deny parts of your confession. Yeah. So if you do, then no one's actually 
fully subscribing to every word of it. So let's think through how we're subscribing to it. So I think there's like a robust sort of system subscription where you're, you're subscribing to all the, the important things that make it work. Yeah. And you can take out certain pieces and the system can still work. So you can take out, I mean, a lot of people have issues with, uh, I don't know, the Pope being the Antichrist and the Second Latin Confession of Faith. And I think you can take that piece out and the, the system still works. Right. You're not cutting at the heart of the confession. Yeah. Uh, it still functions correctly. So thinking through just how, what can I take out and it still function properly, I think is, is the way to think about it. Obviously, it becomes difficult uh, from context to context because, well, who is the deciding factor on what can actually be taken out? Right. right I don't right. know the answer to that. I think the local church has to decide if this yep. is something that's going to hurt the, mm-hmm. the confession overall. Um, but I think you've, you've got to have a way of understanding it. I mean, you, you talked to PCA or OPC, at least here in America, the, the two primary Presbyterian denominations conservative wise, and almost all of them take exceptions somewhere. Yeah. So, I mean, this is not like a, a radical thing to say you can take an exception to something. It's just understanding what you can take ex- exception to. Yeah. I don't think anyone would say, well, you can take ex- exception to the major doctrines. And I think everybody understands like, well, you can't deny credo baptism and be at a Baptist church. Yeah. You can't uh, deny particular, you can't deny the Trinity. Th- those sort of things are obvious, yeah. but it becomes obviously much more difficult uh, context to context on what is okay and what isn't but yeah i wanted to say look you can't no one's really a full 100 percent subscriptionist when it comes to something this thick and this big yes yeah and i think you know even though there are going to be those little um little squabbles that you still have to have as you say <clears throat> maybe from local church to local church you know what that does do though is it just it does give you something very concrete to work with you know as you've said does it cut to the heart of the system uh it, you know because then you can't touch that you know if it is part of the system leave it alone you know and, and even that is helpful because you know you you can get and this has been some of my frustration where you get some really intensely hardcore kind of full subscription like personas and churches and and yet they will take some perhaps you know some implicit exception to a really important part of the system <laughs> that that actually you know you really should not be cutting that a little bit even though it's one line in the confession it's like huge you know and and so it doesn't really matter how much word count you've got it it, it matters you know what what that's saying and i think that's massive so you know yeah, that's, it, i mean what's the covenant works would be an example because that's yeah. that's a i think yeah. minor terminological usage in the confession however that's doing a huge amount of legwork massive yeah yeah beautiful example exactly so you know and 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 you know even the stuff we'll talk about a little bit later i suppose with um just some of that definition around the covenant of grace and how it's worded i mean those things are you know again they're they're gonna be all encompassing so um i think that's uh that's one of the reasons to go and check this article out if you if you haven't already it is uh very very helpful at that point now um uh brandon let, uh, what do you disagree on, bro? Just just uh, hook us up with a little bit of uh, dirty, dirty well, laundry. Yeah. So I, I'm I'm definitely more in the 1689 federalism camp. Uh, I did okay. not come here today to be that representative because I'm. Could I'm you uh, could you please leave? Or as we like to call it 1689 <laughs> federal visionism, <laughs> because we sometimes get the two terms confused. That's so true, and that Very usually happens Very around different. midnight. So, it usually happens later. Than that. Yeah. <laughs> so, 
um, so that that's, uh, I guess, one of the disagreements that that Jordan and I have. But I mean, I'm not like, uh, you know, I'm not going to fight about it. Like, it's not something that I, I think is some huge deal. No, maybe you guys think it's a huge deal. But if you did fight about it, who would win? And what sort of fight would you have? Like, would it be like a like a sort of it would be like jujitsu or <laughs> hello like fights? I think that's a decent. Would it be option. more like a cutter? It would be like yeah. a you know cutter, stage like a dance fight, like a dance, dance fight. fighting. Yeah, I, I am not jumping into this debate. <laughs> without without backup and i don't think i have any backup here oh it's to be like a gang fight uh, that's right that's exactly what it would be but just jumping you know, so, in an alley you know and i guess when i when i read the paper and i mean i i've read the paper a few times i read it before you know it was published and you know i gave a little bit of feedback if i remember correctly i don't know how valuable that was but i'm just not that concerned with the can I can I call myself reformed thing? So right, a lot of right. the a lot of the the what he's pressing on here just doesn't it doesn't it's not even doing anything for me. Like because I, I don't right. I mean I don't care if I if you know the cool Presbyterians allow me to call my myself reformed or whatever. Right. Like, that's just not like something that 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 bothers me. I've never had the and maybe that's part of it. I I I didn't have the existential crisis that that Jordan's talking about. I know that a lot of Baptists that become exposed to to Calvinism and Reformed theology they go through this and for whatever reason I just I mean I just didn't and I like to think I've I've read a lot of the same material. It just never really I just think I was just that convinced that right. believers baptism was correct that that it just never so I don't know there and and I, I guess I came with a lot more questions today than I did answers, but uh, right. but yeah I so <laughs> so Jordan and I we uh, we do have a disagreement on this, but I mean it's not it's not anything too crazy. So right now, um, you know it, it's interesting the the whole you know that's often my stumbling block with the sixteen eighty nine um, federal vision thing. I'm just kidding. I knew I knew, I knew it was saying that. <laughs> Um, what is but, that the wrong way of saying it? that's the wrong way yeah um okay. so but but the thing is that um often i feel like that you know all the guys that i've spoken to are, who really like that idea it's, it's sort of driven by not so much the the label reform but the label reform baptist like we want to be historically termed reform baptist and it feels like that drives so much of it whereas um you know and i get i get what you're saying so i, I feel i feel uh, that, uh, you know, in that I don't necessarily feel the the desire to call myself reformed or, you know, get so caught up on that. But I also don't want to, you know, fall into the trap of call, calling myself a reformed Baptist. And uh, I feel like I want to just steer a course in between. So I think anything that, that shakes it up a little bit and gets people thinking about it is is good at this point, because it feels like more and more the 1689 Fed thing, it's just becoming like the Kool-Aid, you know, and it's just everyone's just drinking it. And that you know that's you cool guys whatever. Are missing out on the classical theism stuff that's the real kool-aid yeah well that's true that's true yeah we're not we're not entirely missing out we have one no no, no. Right? we're getting getting a lot of that stuff yeah yeah, yeah. well and nick cleveley nick cleveley's so, our classical theist guy yeah let, let me ask you guys so what do you think obviously there's a when we look at the 1689 federalism versus the one covenant two administrations view there's there's definitely a practical implication when it comes to how <laughs> Pado Baptists understand the implications of that. But just between the Credo Baptist camps, what do you think are the the practical differences between those two views and how just how that works itself out? Do you think there are any or or, or is it I just a theological so. dispute? Yeah. I mean, it, I think it can be a theological dispute only, but I think at least from what I've read, a lot of the 1689 federalism camp, this is not everybody. So 
put that disclaimer out there. If, if you don't agree with this, I'm not talking about you. I'm just talking about, I think the whole, from the literature that I've read, common themes and threads are you end up denying particular benefits of old Testament believers. So you either have this like, uh, almost like a regen re- regeneration 0.5, where it really becomes a 1.0 in the new Testament. You don't actually get regeneration. You kind of get it. You get like small little aspects of it. You don't get, which I identify regeneration with circumcision of the heart. You'll, you'll see this terminology all the time. Circumcision of the heart didn't happen until the new Testament. I, I just don't think that's true. And I think they deny the typological link to some degree between circumcision and baptism. And they want to say these are two separate things completely. I think you lose a lot of texture in baptism when you sever that link completely. So I think baptism is a, is a fuller, newer, unique, uh, typological fulfillment of circumcision, but I don't want to sever that link. Uh, cause I think there's a lot of important understanding and what'll often happen, at least in, in the way I've seen things is they'll end up denying some of the signification that's going on with baptism. And I like, I like the usage of sign and seal. I'm fine with that language. Yeah. I think a lot of 16 on, on federalism would say, no, I don't want to use that language. Yeah. So I think there's a lot of theological uh, robustness that you could end up losing uh, within. I mean, I think the reform tradition is largely right in how they thought about things. And I, I don't, I don't apologize for wanting to be a part of that stream. I think right. uh, it, it's a good thing to be, want to be a part of a robust tradition. I mean, they could be wrong, but I, I think they get a lot of stuff right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, uh, and you guys feel, uh, Nick, Andre, feel free to chip in on this, but um, the, uh, you know, one of the things that comes to mind for me is just that, especially when I've talked it through with the best representatives, I think of 1689. So, so I remember uh, Sam Renian, for example, came down to New Zealand and we know uh, his dad, Jim Renian, quite well. And he's kind of our, you know, uh, just good, good friend. And so, you know, we have, obviously none of this is is said in any kind of meanness. We love those guys to death, and you know, we we um we're so close. You know, everything it's it's we're dealing with like everything is under the absolute microscope here because it's just it's just what we do. We just love <laughs> doing it. You know, we can't help ourselves. So, so you know, for every, anyone looking in, you know, they're going, "What the heck is the difference?" Even you know, and um and we're going, "Oh, but there is a difference. There is a difference." And and you know, especially when you start talking about it. You know, it's often happened that, well, okay, all right. So it just comes down to almost like a semantic thing in that you would not use the word administration of the covenant of grace where I would, and you would just kind of do this convoluted thing to say the same thing as me, but actually we, it's, yeah, there's a little bit of a difference, but it's so minute. So we got to say that up front. But I think that the, the problem for me um, is that in trying to say it a different way, um, it's almost like we're working against everything that was worked for in the whole point of the wording of the 1689, which was to show ourselves connected to that stream that Jordan was just talking about that, you know, that we're not disconnected. We're not fundamentally different from that uh, Westminster, uh, Westminster tradition. It's coming out of that same exact thing to the point that we're basically plagiarize the confession um, and, and just, you know, make this this tiny tweak on this issue. So I feel like even if um, the best representatives are not trying to sever that link so much, mm-hmm. it, it sort of opens the door to those who are perhaps more thoughtlessly coming along and saying things that are, you know, really right in the crosshair and rightly so in, in, in guys like um, Scott Clark, for example, who are pinpointing that and going, you know what, that is actually a problem. That's not actually what the Westminster, that's not even close to the reform thing. 
And I think that, you know, why open a door to that kind of thing when really one of the things that Reformed Baptists today prize is usually they've come out of dispensationalism, you know, to some degree or another. So I think to some, to, to one degree, it sort of provides a, a halfway house for them, you know, in 1689 Fed. But, but, you know, at the same time, I don't like that. You know, we, we need to come all the way through. We, you know, we don't want to be going back in that direction. So that's one of the things. Um, uh, I don't know if I don't you had think, any other uh, thoughts. Jordan's listening to oh, you anymore. Yeah, Jordan, where did he go? Where did Jordan go? He was well, raptured, bro. We got left behind. <laughs> oh, oh, my goodness. All of it was wrong. All of it was wrong. <laughs> and the rapture is what happened. Okay, look at let that. Let me throw in my Shit. reasons why um, I'm not a 1689 Federalist. I think it comes down to hermeneutics. Yeah. I think um, we're sort of Kleinian in our orientation. And so we have a typological administration of the covenant of grace in Abraham and Moses. And I think the hermeneutic that that gives you is a, is a tool that unlocks the whole of the scriptures in a, in a, in a way that holds up the law gospel distinction in a way that helps you negotiate all the other theological minds, as it were. Um, mm -hmm. So I've just found it so much more satisfying yeah. than anything that 1689 federalism has, has given us. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. So just to, to firm, so I think Mike's point about the whole, you know, it, like whether or not we've, we've, we may not think it's very important to identify as kind of reformed or something, but the point that we were making earlier, I think Jordan made a point about this as well before he was raptured, was the, the, um, the, <laughs> the, whole, the whole thing about Catholicity. So the whole idea about wanting to be within the reformed um, tradition is a, is a way of, of both making sure that the reformed tradition stays appropriately broad, broad enough to incorporate those of a Baptist persuasion, but also a way of keeping Baptists within something historic and Catholic. And so I think that that's important. I think just to, to, to pick up on what others have been saying, but also like the hermeneutics, like Nick was saying, is really, really important. So like the, it does have an impact on the way that you read the Bible. And even though not all of that will be obvious all the time, the whole hermeneutical approach is a practical outlook and will have an implication somewhere down the line. Mm -hmm. And I guess a little bit, a little bit like the way that, you know, if you get a, a reformed guy who's denying the covenant of works, um, you know, in lots of ways, it's going to line up in, in exactly the same way. And you barely even may notice that at first, but down the line, because theology is a bit like a puzzle. And if you move one piece into the wrong place, it does have a knock-on effect somewhere down the line. Down the line, that that denial of the covenant of works is going to have an impact mm -hmm. on theological formulation, either in that own uh, you know person's life or in in the movement you know further on down the line. So I think those are some some important. So it's not like it's it, it, we're not quite at the stage where we're you know. Uh, we're nowhere near the stage, I should say, where we're excommunicating one another. But it is, it is, um, it is rather at the point where we are concerned enough for each other's expressions of faith to uh, to safeguard each other from potential um, errors that may creep in through the hermeneutical differences and through the the knock-on effect of it later on. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, go for it. Go ahead. Oh, I was just so. Because this is something I wanted to ask about too. So to put those two things side by side from from your guys's perspective, the 1689 Federalist 
well, we'll just call it error from your, from your perspective. And then what you just brought up, uh, the, the, the denial of the covenant of works, because from where I'm sitting, those, those two seem like two totally different levels of departure. Like to me, the covenant of works is much more fundamental and foundational. And to deny that just seems inconceivable to me. Yeah. Yeah. But, but you have somebody like John Murray that like, we still call that guy reformed. So like that right. now I don't understand like where the reformed identity stuff. Well, I mean, most people are still going to call him reformed. Uh, you know, but according Lord to Jordan, yes, you're right. You're right. According to Jordan's paper here, he wouldn't be reformed because he denies the covenant of works, which, which Jordan has said in, in R1 that that is a, so, uh, so I guess my question is when it comes to denying the covenant of works versus what we're doing with 1689 federalism, like, uh, do you think that, that Murray's error is something that uh, we should be more concerned with when it comes to who is in the reform camp and who's not. But I don't hear that talked about. uh, And maybe it's just because I'm in a Baptist, more of a Baptist context. So Murray's not brought up as much, but, but it doesn't seem like that's uh, he he's, he's kicked out of the reform camp as, as often as, as particular Baptists are, but, and I I could be wrong with that. I'm totally open to and saying, hey, yeah, you, you, dude, you're denying something that's central to reformed identity. Come on, man, get your stuff together. Get your act together. I'm cool with doing that. And for the record, yeah, I did rapture, but I heard everything because I'm the smart one who wears uh, the wireless headphones. <laughs> so nice. when my kid wakes up, I can go. Wyatt, Wyatt is coming back, back in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wyatt, Wyatt is the new unwired, bro. You know, yeah. it's uh, <laughs> right. so. Uh, well, we're glad you're back. You know, we, we and there was a moment of doubt. Like, what the heck happened to Jordan there? My goodness, he just he decided it was too hot. He's running. No, I don't know. But um, so on that point, though, I think, you know, one of the things I suppose we are a little bit biased in here is if we're not Baptist, then we're Kleinian. You know, <laughs> if we're not Kleinian, then we're Baptist. Either which way, Murray's not faring well. You know, uh, he's uh, he's kind of on the on the other end of all of that. And um and so, you know, looking at Murray, though, and thinking about the way that he sort of chipped in on the whole uh, covenant theology thing, I mean, he was self-consciously revising, you know, he he admitted it freely and which I mean, to his credit. So I think, you know, it, he's one of those guys that was just, you know, hey, I'm cool to I'm cool to revise this and take what comes my way, you know, and I think, you know, the, the Norman Shepard end point of that was enough of a warning for everyone that that's not a good thing. But yeah, you know, in terms of, I agree, you know, the, the covenant of works issue is just a thousand times. In fact, you know, I would always err on the side of 1689 federalism rather than something else precisely for that reason in that it's got a nice law, grace, contrast. And as soon as you start chipping away at the law gospel thing, that's when the real problem comes in, uh, which is, you know, more along the other side. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th- th- those are important things to keep in mind. I think that's a good you know, it's it's you know. I think Jordan himself raises the point, though. I think is it on the second page here, um, third page, something like that, where he says, um, you know, everyone's going to quibble on on the points he's raised, and I think it's right. I mean, it's it's good that you acknowledge that, you know, you've come up with what the, these things that you're seeing as these fundamental elements of reformed identity. The reformed identity debate is a is a very deep and dark and nasty place. You know, it's like you know, you you want to spend too much time there. Trust me, you will. Um, it's not it's not pretty. It's it's you know, people like Scott Clark live there. You know, they they live in that place, and it's an angry it's place. Nice. So, you know, we. Uh, I mean, I really appreciate. Let me just say, I really appreciate Scott Clark. So I didn't mean that uh, meanly, but you know, it's just you know what you know what I'm talking about, right? So you know, everyone's going to quibble on all of this stuff. That's totally true. 
And, you know, I think what you've raised there, Brandon, is one of those quibbles, you know, it's, it, it, it'll just be, all right, well, let's tweak the wording and say, not quite, you know, it doesn't have to be that you have to assume a Kleinian version of the covenant of works. You could have sort of more a garden covenant as it works in a broader system. Um, I don't know. So th that might be some of the kickback along with, uh, as you mentioned, you, you don't have paedo baptism on as a, as a, a key feature, <laughs> which I imagine would get a little bit of, um, a little bit of kickback, just a little from uh, oh, the Oh, sure, but I, I would just go back and say, look, most of you Presbyterians, you think if you get this sort of covenant theology, it just comes with the package. So yeah. you, yeah. even in your own stuff, you probably wouldn't even put it there just because you assume there's a necessary connection. And I want to say, no, that is bad yeah. logic. It's not a necessary connection. Yeah. Uh, step back. But as you mentioned, these, the, I guess this reformed identity, I did what philosophers like to do, and I put it you know, nice and clear, like here's R1, R2, yes. R3. Like and that. to your question, Brandon, you know, if, is there any cash difference uh, from my reading anyway? Now, this isn't across the board, but I feel like uh, a lot of 1689 Federalists will want to deny all three of the points that I brought up as important for being reformed identity. So the first one was just talking about covenant theology. Naturally, they are going to deny the one covenant to administrations. Yep. Um, they're oftentimes going to deny that the sacraments are means of God's objective grace. Yep. So they're going to yep. say, you know, it's, it's subjective in some way. Um, yes. And I want to say these are objective things. That doesn't deny that there's a subjective element that you're experiencing something. Yep. Uh, but I want to say emphasis primarily on objective. And then that third one, the, in, the visible, invisible doctrine of the church. Now, I think you can find this in all sorts of Reformed Baptists using this distinction, but oftentimes, for whatever reason, in contemporary Reformed Baptist theology, I feel like people are wanting to deny that distinction. And wanting, even if they're not trying to say it, the way they are arguing for it, it ends up being uh, we only have truly regenerate people in our yeah. churches, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think when I press them on that, almost every time they, they back off and say, well, yeah, 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 you're going to have false converts and stuff like that. Mm. But I just want to be like, then what's the problem with what's the distinction the yeah. if you admit yeah. it? Yeah. You know, and um, I'm, you know, one of the things I, I was really excited about in doing this. Um, this this particular topic and just just talking with you guys is uh, we get we have a lot of Kleinians that listen in you know and um, I, talking with them about you know what it means to be a Baptist at some points you know when, when we had those conversations those very frustrations come up you know on their side that you could I, this is why I think I would love them to read this article because I think this would sound sane to them you know what you're saying even if they end up disagreeing with you. They would go, all right, I really appreciate what you've done here because these are all the frustrating points that we have uh, or, or the points with which we are frustrated. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, we, you've got to be able to see some of these. New now, it cuts both ways, obviously, but, you know, the, the, I, I just think that they're getting onto a lot of the more um, dispensationalish uh, Baptist stuff and it, it drives them nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So even if I'm, if, even if I turn out wrong, I feel like this is a good argument to say, look, the stuff that, uh, Pato Baptist constantly use against Baptists, it doesn't work because you can do, I think you can do these things to rebut those charges. So you need to come up with better arguments to say that Baptists are getting the Bible wrong or yeah. getting covenant theology wrong. Cause I think you can do this and I think it can work. Yeah. Um, and even if it turns out that, yeah, that's not what the Bible actually says. Well, that, then, you know, that's obviously a point against me, a huge point. <laughs> it would all fall down. Right. However, um, I think, even if you do that, it's just showing like theologically system, like if you systematize it, yeah, it can still work. So like, don't stop bringing up these bad examples and bad arguments to me. Cause I don't think they follow. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, and, you know, and the, the big thing, I think, uh, I agree 100% with the, um, sign and seal stuff and, and, you know, sacramentology is important. And I, I know you do quote Horton a few times here, who's our, you know, modern day Kleinian guru, um, who, yeah, uh, you know, I read Horton's the- covenant theology. And honestly, the first time I read it, I was like, I don't see anything wrong with this. Oh, like I, I i don't know where it goes wrong i can't find the problem and i'm like <laughs> where does infant baptism come into this like you read his introducing covenant theology it's like randomly like parachuting out of nowhere it doesn't exactly i always uh, describe <laughs> it like a like a you know you got this beautifully formulated engine you know there it is and you, you lift the hood and you just see every part there's the car there's the i have no idea about engines but but you know what i mean like <laughs> this is a weird analogy for just you like you know well, what else is it coming we got a carburetor what else there's like an exhaust pipe no that's not it's like oil engine. something there's does oil, oil there's oil there's somewhere oil in there and uh anyway so let's say you knew what an engine looked like so there, there we go you're appreciating its beauty and uh and, and then you know, you take this baby for a spin, and then you got this like de- this piece of like wire with a little engine part dangling off the fender. You know, just around the back, and that's that's you know how infant baptism fits into this whole thing. Now, I'm not again like I realize there are a lot of guys listening to this that you know hold infant just baptism dear. everyone, yeah, I know, but I want to. But this is my whole thing. Like I'm trying to say that as a Kleinian. Yeah. And as someone who really appreciates yeah. Horton's theology, I'm, I'm seeing that slotted in and and not part of the system. Um, yeah. So, you know, and obviously there's there's going to be back and forth on that. But yeah, still. and I don't want Michael Horton to take this the wrong way because, no. you know, I still I still hope that Mike has a shot at becoming part of the staff at Westminster, California. But uh, <laughs> the, um, the, uh, not anymore. But Just killed him. I don't want yeah. Horton to take this the wrong way, but a lot more Baptists here, over here are appreciating Horton stuff more and more. Um, precisely because if you are embracing covenant theology, but but don't see how it conflicts with your with your stance on baptism, then Horton does that extremely well. You know, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't. It, it's not at all a, a point of conflict. Um, so a lot of guys are loving Horton. Yeah, from a mm-hmm. Baptist point of view. Mm-hmm. Good. All right. Now, can I can I yeah, can I just say it. one one little thing there? The, Do it. So this may be slightly more provocative on the 1689 federalism thing, um, because I kind of see the covenant to come back to the, the, the original question of, you know, why are we talking about them in the same thing? And I do agree that, that the covenant of works is more essential than the 1689 federalism debate over, uh, you know, over that particular view of, of how the covenants are working. But I do kind of see them as twin problems. Um, they have a kind of relationship with each other. And I don't know if this is pushing the boat out too far, but this is, you know, correct me if I'm wrong. This is the way I see it. That, you know, if you come, if you come back in terms of basically understanding how, um, how traditional sort of Westminster covenant theology has interpreted the Mosaic covenant and, uh, and how 1689 federalism interprets the Abrahamic covenant, I think they're making the same problem on two different ends of the spectrum. So the, the, that is either to deny the graciousness of the Abrahamic covenant, like 1689 federalism, or to deny the, the worksciousness of the Mosaic covenant, uh, which is the, the kind of Westminster stuff. That's not a word, dude. Yeah, I just, I just, look, man, words, <laughs> words. You, did you know what I meant? Just a, that, that was, was a neologism. Effect. That was beautiful. Oh, worksciousness. That was beautiful. The worksciousness. Yeah. I just, it's totally weird. My it's, free I said it. That one. 
That was good. I liked it. Don't apologize. Be proud. Be bold. I like it. I like what you're th- saying there, and I, I, I think I would uh, high five you on that one and say, "Yep, I, I, I'm on board." Now, obviously, I do think you're gonna if 1689 Fairless is listening, they're gonna be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" I actually, I affirm the graciousness of Abraham. I'm like, "Wait, no, you don't," because you cut it in half and you say part of it's works, part of it's grace, and I would say the whole thing's grace. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and a lot of them don't even do that. You know, a lot of them just and go, "No, it's good. just it's just all works." You know, and there, yeah, there is you, a yeah. If you read Jeff Johnson's book on the the two kingdoms or whatever i think i was like blown away by some of the claims he was making i was like this is just dispensationalism yeah yeah like i don't know what you like i know that hurts somebody's feelings but it, it is yeah <laughs> i don't no, know I how know. you get around it that's i get well and that's the problem it's sort of it just leans in that direction so much sometimes and you know you feel like if you haven't really worked it through properly as a Baptist coming out of dispensationalism and you haven't given it what it needs to get all the way into a, 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 like what I would think is a really helpful uh, framework, like, you know, a Klein Horton, so anything along those lines, you're going to have all these issues and all these frustrations that you, you're just not used to thinking of the whole thing in terms of a covenant of grace. So the first out that you get, you're going to take it, you know, so, so along comes uh, Jeffrey Johnson and, and, and everyone's like, oh yeah, okay, well, there we go. We can still be covenantal and reformed and whatever, but we don't have to believe in this essential thing really, which is the unity of it all. Um, which I, yeah, I don't like it. You know, I admit that it's, 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 you know, not, not something that I would, um, like, like, uh, let me say this as well. If someone came to, to, uh, GraceNet and they, you know, uh, which is the church I pastor, you know, and they go, okay, I'm a, I'm a sold out 1689 federalist. There I go. Welcome. You'll be happy. You know, just, just welcome, welcome home, you know, uh, because when, it, when we come down to the actual issues is when you'll have to want to nut this out. So if it's on why we call it a sacrament, why we call it this, why we do the Sabbath, why, you know, any of those uh, issues, what's the rationale for it? Uh, well, what, you know, how do we know what happened to Old Testament saints? You know, how do we process all of that? Um, that's when we will start seeing the differences, but otherwise, you know, just come right in and enjoy and relax, you know? So, so let me uh, emphasize that point at the same time. Yeah. Yeah, and I think the Renahans are both of them are are exemplars in how to handle sixteen eighty nine federalism. I agree. Well. I agree. I think if if I wanted to be a sixteen eighty nine federalist, I would go with what they're saying yes. compared to some of the other versions of it. Amen. Amen. Yeah, exactly right. Couldn't have put that better myself. That that is absolutely perfect because um you know it and this happens. I suppose it always happens. You've got um ah, oh, there's your kid, bro. Nice. Oh, it's <laughs> oh, yeah, stuff. He made his way in. Oh, th- this means it must be wakey wakey time. This m- can must he be hear a- us oh. or not? Though, can we say uh, hello to him? Yeah. Well, he can't hear you, but no, no, no. Don't worry. All right. All right. You want to see everybody? There we go. Oh man, cutie. So yeah, so, um, read me my book, Daddy. <laughs> like right now, while you're podcasting, read it like to right me. Right now, and care um, what you're doing with your friends. Read my book. <laughs> right now um, i'll go get him as bavank it's okay he's got yeah, a shelf he'll be out soon <laughs> it's on the yeah. second shelf over there he can reach it <laughs> unlike you nick it's up there way up there where john frame is standing over above him looking oh, no. down upon him oh no we've got to fix that we've got to keep <laughs> nick away that. from john frame. i've got grudem next to bavank oh dude okay? the, the, one of them is going to collapse is in between <laughs> standing in the gap it's gonna it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be like one day you walk into the office and the one's on its side, you know? Leading. <laughs> Hands and head cut off. 
exactly um but uh, you're gonna you find know, like I, the top quarter of it on your pillow when you wake up i think that's, that's for sure um <laughs> the the rennie hands um you know i think what what you know they're obviously and, and you know you could you could say that some of the other guys involved as well but um it's just what happens is the groundswell usually is a lot a lot less nuanced and so that's where the problem does come in and that's usually where you see the plumb line of the theology like you know ultimately gill you mentioned earlier is a good example in that regard i think in that you know you read gill himself he's like totally balanced and awesome and nuanced and all that sort of stuff and then you read uh you know what came from some of those finer angles and um it ended up in not such a happy place so i think that's that's a real thing you have to worry about that and it's always just tough being so darn perfect and balanced in your theology and being right in the middle <laughs> yeah, of all the debates and you know it, it does have its own kind of burdens i'll say you know yeah. <laughs> um good all right so hey it's getting on an hour but um any i know you had 17 questions of which you've asked one andre I haven't asked any of them, Mike. What are you talking okay. about? I've just tried to, Let's, you know, piggy, piggyback on. Uh, I let, well, let me let me come back out. to something. Well, listen, let me let me come back to something that 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 uh, Jordan raised earlier, which was about the the point about Catholicity um, and about how uh, Baptists should embrace pedo-baptism as a kind of. I can't remember what the exact phrase was that you used. Irregular. Irregular irregular baptism rather than a false baptism now this is something that i think is very very important and that has been a point that i've raised in the past as to in defense of why i am open table and open membership as a baptist but um i just thought i want to throw that out there and see oh i mean see. you know that's a firestorm for most baptists because they, mm -hmm. they don't like that i mean that's i think you know i'm going against probably the majority view i would think when you say that um, but I, I just don't see any other way around it. I know not everybody feels the same pressure. So at least in America, there's been a lot of Baptists. Who I think you've grown up in more, uh, landmarkist sort of tendencies where, or separatist sort of tendencies where it's, it's much more just natural to say, well, I don't really care. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to do my own thing and be mm -hmm. independent. Um, uh, but I feel the acute pressure to say, well, I want to make sure that I can affirm, uh, all the Christians that uh, exist. I mean, I don't want to shut off people and say, yeah, I think you're a Christian, but you can't actually have uh, the table, which is the mark of being a Christian. I think that's incredibly inconsistent. And now, however, I mean, I understand that the pressures that come into it, because you want to say, well, if you really do believe credo baptism, doesn't that mean that their baptism is invalid? And I, and I tried to argue in a, in, a, in a way of saying, well, it's not invalid, it's irregular. Mm. So there are problems with it, but however, you can still accept it as a, as a ultimately a valid because it has the, the, the core essential elements being baptized in the triune name with water. Those sort of things are the core elements. However, the timing, uh, as long as you have faith, uh, is what <clears throat> having faith is the important core factor of it that makes it effective in some way. Now, obviously, I think a lot of Baptists are going to say, no, I disagree, but I, I feel the pressure of wanting Catholicity more uh, than the alternative. I just, yeah. before Nick gets into oh, <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah, yeah. I just want here, to say comes that I guy. think word for word, <laughs> I, I absolutely agree and feel the same. And, 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 um, and it's been a big, a big part of, but it's so unusual to find. You don't often find Reformed Baptists who have open table, open membership. Yeah, for that reason. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we just fact, to say, we have open ta table closed membership. We call it our happy inconsistency. Yeah. So we uh, we believe that it's important to 
you know, affirm that all true believers should have fellowship with his church. But um, I guess just coming to the Catholic question, you know, um, can Baptists confess with a full subscription um, that we believe in one holy Catholic church? I, I don't think I don't think we can. I don't I don't even think Presbyterians can. Um, because because the Reformation introduced the categories of visible versus invisible, um, you know, to, to go and stand in the original shoes of authorial intent as it was originally meant, where the visible and invisible church were conflated. Um, <clears throat> we don't say the word Catholic with the same meaning. And, and as soon as you begin to then come to the Reformation and you, you bring the definitions of visible and invisible, um, you've got Fesco's definition of the visible church, which is a, a mixed multitude, but it's on the basis of a family connection. Whereas we also have a visible church, which is a mixed multitude, but it's on. The, but we don't define the visible church on the basis of uh, a family attachment. We define it on the basis of a credible confession. And so the keys of the kingdom are given to to regulate the visible identity of the local church. And so for me, um, I'm quite happy to say that uh, Peter baptism is not a true baptism, because. Um, if the keys of the kingdom just, are given, Nick, can yeah. I just, I missed a step in the argument there. The, why does that mean we can't say confessor, one holy Catholic and apostolic? Oh, what I'm saying is we don't mean it in the same way. Just as Calvin was able to confess that Jesus descended into Hades, but he meant something different. You know, there's, there's, a, there's a nuance which, because we've grown theologically, because we have more, more, more categories to approach that topic with, um, when, when we say Catholic Church, we don't mean the exact same thing that the original authors did. So full subscription, we have, we, you know, just as we have a full problem, uh, a problem with full subscription when it comes to the Westminster standards. Likewise, when it comes to the, uh, the universal creeds, we have a, we have a similar problem. So meaning the word Catholic in the same way, um, and, and I probably I'm with Brandon here. I don't feel the pressure because um, I'm, I don't feel that. Um, I'm trying to align myself with that original authorial intent. I want to recognize the, the universal church. I want to recognize the work of, of, of Christ and, uh, and be charitable in terms of including people who are genuine believers. But the way in which they conflated the visible with the invisible, the, the organism with the organization, we've, we've, we've learned since then. And so, you know, how do we define the visible church? We define it differently. And so, I can't say the word Catholic in the same way. So I, I don't feel the same pressure as maybe Andre, you're feeling. Um, so that, I think that's interesting. Um, I think a couple of things. First, the way I structure the covenants, I do think it continues to be uh, covenant membership is based on family descendants. It's just my family head is Jesus Christ and it's based on faith, not on physical generation. Um, so I would still want to continue to use these families. Yeah, I saw that nuance in your article there. Yeah. Um, which I, I think I like it. It's attractive to me. Uh, Are you I've the seen, only one who holds that? I hadn't heard. I have. People. I haven't seen anybody else really press yeah. in like that. But I think it make, it makes sense of yeah. everything, and you stay in this continuity of this family sort of unit. God and there is that uh, passage in Hebrews as well. That Hebrews two thirteen. We should if we just I'm just gonna drop that in there, which I think oh, yeah. you could bolster your argument with that. That's but anyway, true. yeah, you know. Yeah. I, I, I need to write it down and add it. Uh, the Sorry. other point I want to add in was the your quibble with we're, we're not really affirming a, a one holy Catholic Church because that's not what the original authors intended. I mean, I would just want to say, well, who cares? I mean, there's all sorts of crazy <laughs> stuff that the original authors intended in some of these creeds things. And I know that's going to get me in hot water or whatever. But I think if you actually, it's really cool 
and hype to go affirm and say, yeah, I'm Nicene right now, which I am. And I'm very vigorously want to defend that. However, if you want to take the authorial intent to its logical end, you're going to end up having to take on all sorts of crazy baggage. If you go actually read the the guys who are penning Mm. Nicaea, you just loaded yourself up with a bunch of stuff you don't agree with. And I don't want to think, I don't think you have to do that. I think you can unhitch it to some degree from the authorial intent, not completely, but uh, I don't. It's I think this, I'm fine taking Catholic in a different yeah. way. And, and I confess it. the Catholic Church, but I don't mean it in the same way. And so I don't feel yeah. I don't feel the compulsion to try and co-confess it in the same sense yeah. with my Presbyterian brethren. Because being a Baptist, we have we do have it. Uh, we do have a Baptist definition of the local church, sure. uh, the autonomy of the local church, the way in which we define but, the local church through baptism. And so even on. when I come to a text in Scripture, what is it? Ephesians four, where there's one faith, one baptism. Yeah. I don't know how I can f- confess one baptism if I want to invalidate 75% of people's baptisms. Mm. Yeah. Well, just, uh, just before we just on the, on the, I could um, pull a John Murray on you and say it's spiritual baptism. Yeah. Or John Bunyan. You I mean. Mean. No, that's fair. You're right. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you could, and that's, I think that's a fair way to handle that. Yeah. Yeah. So on the, la- on the confessional language thing, I, you know, I love what Kelvin does. Does you mentioned, you know, with the descendant into Hades uh, thing? I think you know he's just saying that basically this is the genius of symbols of the faith. They don't they don't require you to affirm authorial intent. They're not they're not the the text yeah. of scripture necessarily. Uh, rather, that the the language is broad enough and wide enough to account for their own internal error, so to speak, so as to allow for an ongoing proclamation of the truth. So uh, you know, this is what allows us just to basically be able to. Conf- you know, affirm this Man, together. That's good. I, what what source is that? Where is that? I've read all of those institutes. I don't remember him talking about I'm sure that. that was in institutes. Nick and I read it together a while back. We yeah, were going through. Uh, yeah, it was institutes uh, where he deals. If you just, if you just uh, search up. Google this. <laughs> Yeah, search up um, his, uh, he'd be dealing with the Apostles' Creed. So that's where it was. So, you know, wherever that is in the Institutes, I can't remember offhand, but you'll find it there. Um, yeah, so, and then. Like, I think Kelvin was wrong on, on that particular Well, one. Sure, that's yeah. fine. But I think the principle <laughs> he's trying to work with here is, is useful for us. So you agree with Sam Renihan on that point? <laughs> Yeah. I, I, th- I think he's saying you went down to the dead. That's what I'm saying. Now, oh, yeah, we've had a lot of nuance that's required there. I mean, it, I've done a good amount of work in this, and I think there's some problems, potential, well, anthropological issues with Matt Emerson's big and popular here in the States, who, who's repopularized the traditional way to, to form this. And this is completely off topic, but I think it's just fun. So you can tell me if I, you want me to stop. But, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, he's he's made some arguments that you have to be a dualist about a person if you want to affirm a literal interpretation of the dissent. And I just don't think that's true. Uh, I think uh, it actually can cause some more issues uh, than fewer issues. So just for fun, cool. if, yeah. if you're interested in those sort of things, I'll, I, I hope uh, it's interesting. I definitely I know. I, 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 I mean, look, I obviously never want to disagree with Kelvin, but I um <laughs> I looked into it and I was just like, I, 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 I like the, uh, I like the other way. I think it, I think it makes sense. Fits yeah. in nicely. I don't see a problem with it. And, um, and I think it was what was originally intended. And so I've just gone down that line. So yeah, I forgot I that about good. you. I forgot that about you. I nearly had, yeah, the I other nearly thing heard. about the me that I think, coming out there, I know, I know. So I'm, talk I'm about Catholic someone Christ. wrestling with these baptism. There's Limbo. someone else wrestling with these baptism. Existential <laughs> crisis. <laughs> like going on for a long time. The the other the other thing I've been backstroking the Tiber for a long time. But the other the other thing um, uh, the other the other thing uh, 
that that you raised in your article well there were t okay so just the, the three r's right okay because this is fairly foundational because you're saying like how do you identify the essence of what it means to be reformed and you got these three r's and um so i i just had two two quick two quick questions about about that the one was um okay so the first r is to do with the one substance two administrations thing that's good no questions there uh, the second one uh was the sacraments as a means of grace good no questions there the third one uh was where some of the questions came in um so you you visible invisible we've been talking about fine uh, you mentioned the regulative principle as kind of being important in that as well now obviously being over here in the uk the reformed church is anglican and rejects the regulative principle so so like i don't know how that factors in i also am aware that the regulative principle is variously understood amongst baptists here as well and so i guess my my concern is i'm not sure how useful that is in terms of distinguishing reform from non-reform because on account of the fact that a you dismiss the whole english reform church in one fell swoop and b um uh you you the, the, it is so variously understood that i don't know if it's if it's that precise a definition that will enable us to to, to move forward so that was I'll, I'll throw that one at you um Actually, I'll put them both at you, and then and then you can you can answer them both how you want. So this is what I, what I was talking about when when too much he's coffee. In, I've had too much coffee. He's in prime time, you know. He's he's sort of like doing. You're lucky. You're lucky. You didn't tell a joke or something. That, that's I'm all just I'm warming saying. up right now too. So we're <laughs> Yo, in a good that's, spot. That's true. Well, I'm, I'm getting sleepy, guys. So make this quick. <laughs> no, 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 no. So so listen. The yeah. um the other the other thing was about uh it was to do with R one and to do with the covenant administration and you. And you use the example of the Sabbath to illustrate how, like, you can't reject the Sabbath um, because that would reject the whole one covenant to administrations reform thing. Now, I happen to think that maybe the Sabbath is not a good example there because uh, you mentioned the threefold use of the, the law, right? Now, look at these guys. Look at these guys. They're about to give me a hard time. Listen, I'm just saying. I'm just saying the Sabbath. Bro, right, just spit the question out. Make it snappy. <laughs> We're dying over here. You're distracting. We're like, what do you even want to ask? We don't even know what you want to ask. Right. Come on, do it. So you mentioned you mentioned the the threefold division of the law, moral and, and ceremonial and all that. And so, uh, but the assumption is that the Sabbath observance is part of the moral law because, again, built on another assumption that the Ten Commandments is the moral law, pure and simple. Um, and I, I just want to go back to the inquiry. So it, it, the, the whole assumption that the Ten Commandments are the moral law, purely and simply, I'm happy that it contains the moral law, but it's still dressed up in Mosaic Covenant garb that needs to be interpreted through the gospel, which means that the Sabbath commandment, I think, doesn't pass that test, in my opinion, because of, of what the New Testament says about it. Um, it the way the New Testament talks about the Sabbath as, as being gospel rather than being law. Um, but then also the, uh, therefore could, you know, someone like me would just look at the Sabbath commandment and put it as a, as in a ceremonial category rather than a moral category. And so I, again, I'm not, I know I'm not the only one who thinks this, 
But I wonder, again, if the Sabbath is at really as essential to the One Covenant, Two Administrations things as Yeah, as I mean, the, both of those questions are good. Um, and, you know, if, if I want to be a purist, then I could say, well, who cares that I just excluded the Anglican church, the English church? Um, I don't think I want to do that. So, I, yeah, I think you've got to expand a little bit, like, inconsistencies or problems there. However, to your Sabbath point, I mean, I think you make a fair point. I, it's, if I want to make a stronger argument, I should use a doctrinal point that everyone universally says absolutely, because um, there are people who want to, uh, you know, play fast and loose with the Sabbath like you, uh, and that's fine. Uh, <laughs> I mean, are you, do you, but, but, but my question is, do you, do you see the Sabbath as being essential to that? I mean, I think you have to take at least some of it as moral. I, I can understand. Um, and I think there's definitely room to say, well, the way the Sabbath command functions in the new covenant shifts and changes. I'm cool with that. Like, clearly it's not the sixth day. Now it's the seventh day. So like stuff changes. Um, but I think that just the traditional way of understanding it as look, it's, it's right there in creation. You see God resting on the seventh day. Uh, you see this pattern and exemplar of one in seven days is dedicated to rest and worship as the, the, the principle there. I mean, I think you would agree that there's supposed to be one in seven days that is dedicated to worship. So if we strip it all down to this really small seed, I would think everyone was going to want to say, yeah, absolutely. It's just when we start to dress it up and say, well, um, to make, particular, I guess, commandments and rules from that uh, is where the, the disagreements end up coming, at least as the way from my vantage point is how I see it. I think everybody wants to affirm a core small morality of this. It's just the, the, the conclusions that come from it that become an issue. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, the, the whole, um, you know, the moral and positive aspects of the the, the actual Sabbath commandment uh, are quite interesting as well in that it has positive dimensions to it, you know, so as you were saying. So it, it is a complicated one, but uh, I, I do think that's like sort of bridges into a whole new thing on the Sabbath. And uh, it is a big topic, you know, as we've uh, explored before. You'll remember, yeah. Andrew? Yeah. I'm, I, so. know, I know. I know. I, I felt I felt that we had decisively settled the question. That's what yeah. I felt. Well, sometimes feelings deceive people. Yeah. No, but my, my point, it, but it, come, it comes back to the point about using the threefold division of the law to determine what is moral yeah. and what is. Yeah. And I think the threefold division of the law is only, it only works as a description of what there is. It doesn't work as a discernment tool, you know, as a way of, of deciding what should be moral and what isn't. For that, we have to look to other hermeneutical questions. And I just don't, yeah. So I, th I think in that sense, um, you know, I, yeah, I, I, well, I just wanted to, to hear a bit more about why you thought the Sabbath was so important because it, it could easily for me go, I could see how some people read it as moral, some people as ceremonial. Um, and I think that's I precisely why I did it, was just to be controversial and say, okay, let's pick this point that I think a uh, majority of traditional reform doctrine want to say, yeah, that's moral and let, let's play on this. Yeah. yeah. It has an interesting angle, I think. And, probably we'll see some more of this uh, develop in terms of the way 1689 federalism has to work on the Sabbath piece. And anyways, again, I'm sort of trying to restrain, <laughs> bearing in mind we're, we're getting to the end of this. I don't want to get into a whole new thing here. But um, I, I'm also aware of, you know, we sort of uh, set a bit of a time here. I don't want to keep you guys all day. And I know you got work and get your stuff together and everything and get your kids organized and whatnot. 
Um, so let's start wrapping this up. Let me just say though, in case uh, you might feel satisfied by this discussion, if you're listening, and you might feel tempted to go, oh, well, there we go. I'm not going to go ahead and read Jordan's uh, uh, paper. Don't, that would be a mistake because as good as this was, and it was pretty darn good, the paper's even better. So you need to go and read it. You need to get it online and uh, check it out. And yeah, just be challenged by it. Um, uh, don't feel alone if you're, you know, if you're, you're pushed right over the edge by it. That's fine. We all we all have our little sensitive spots. That's okay. But it'll just get you thinking, and uh, and you'll appreciate what we've said here a little bit more as well. Uh, let me give these guys uh, another plug. London Lyceum is it dot com? Yeah, that's yes. the website. So the LondonLyceum.com. And yeah, you so can that, find the podcast, them. articles, stuff about us, all those sort of things there. Awesome. Yeah, so they'll get all the information. pretty active on, on Twitter yeah. too. So, Yeah, nice. All right. What, what, what's that, Nick? Good book reviews on there. Yeah, totally. I, yeah. I discovered these guys online through a book review that I was... I didn't even know these guys existed until wow. I found a book review. And then you told me Which about book them. was it? Uh, the Jeffrey Johnson one. Oh, um, of course. That on, one was uh, real popular. Natural theology. <laughs> yeah. We've well, got one coming out in so, a couple so weeks I, that'll I, get I, us canceled. I, so. I found your I found your book review. <laughs> I found your website. I found two age sojourn on your website. And then I go speak to Mike and he says, Yeah, I'm gonna be on their podcast. I'm like, I'm like, cool. There we go. That's oh, awesome. Man totally yeah so great really um just want to encourage you guys to keep going doing what you're doing i realize it's a lot of work you know especially the way you guys do it too it's all organized and and awesome and you know you can tell it actually takes work to do that kind of thing uh but you know keep doing it man keep doing it uh we're, we're all we're all profiting from your labors there and thank you um to you both um anything anything to go out on nick you want to sing us a song i don't know it's late it's late you yeah, want to do something yeah. special no See, he's grumpy. See, this is this is what I was telling yeah, you guys about. Like, Usually, it'd be yeah. some excellent outro going on. Yeah, it would be amazing. Yeah, you know, it's just like I've had know, enough of you guys. Just go, nothing, just right? It's just me. old Nick Cleveley right there. Um, <laughs> good, Andre, you good? Yeah, I mean, I got more questions. But no, I'm good. no, we're good. Thanks. All right, good night, everyone. <laughs> good. Yeah.